You're listening to the Health Coach Nation podcast. My name is Haley Rowe, and I'm a business coach for online health coaches who want to attract their ideal clients, stop feeling defeated by their never-ending to-do list, balance a healthy lifestyle with their growing business, and stop overanalyzing what everybody thinks of them so that they can confidently own their message and online presence. On this podcast, we dive deep into health information you can share with your clients, business strategy tips, and more. Let's get to it. Super excited about today's episode, and I want to let you know that you can win a copy of my 2020 sales tracker, normally available only for clients. If you want to track your revenue, track your conversion rate, track your discovery calls in 2020, how do you win? Simply leave a written podcast review on the Health Coach Nation podcast on iTunes and take a screenshot of your review. Email it to info at HaleyRow.com with the subject line podcast review, and I will send you your sales tracker. Now, my email is info at Haley, H-A-I-L-E-Y, row, R-O-W-E dot com, and I cannot wait to reward you for leaving a podcast review with my 2020 sales tracker. All right, let's get into the episode. I'm here with Mike, and how do you pronounce your last name, Mike? Sesniak. Chesniak. Yeah, it's not as bad as it looks. The Z's are scary. Yeah. Okay. Well, welcome to the show. Thank you so Thank much you. for being on the Health Coach Nation podcast, but also being on this live stream on my Facebook page. And everybody, Mike is an expert on execution and getting you guys to do the things that you say you want to do, you need to do to grow your business, but you're not actually doing. And I'll let Mike tell you about his background, but he's has a very impressive background. I definitely stalked you a little bit online <laughs> and I'll let you go from there and then we'll dive in. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, Haley, thanks so much for having me. Um, yeah, I have a pretty interesting background. So like you mentioned, I live in the world of high performance, right? And we define high performance as simply succeeding beyond standard norms consistently over the long term while maintaining positive well-being and positive relationships, right? So we all know that person who maybe they have the pinnacle of financial success in our eyes, but their health is deteriorating, or maybe their personal relationships are, are falling apart. High performance is creating that well-oiled machine such that we reach that, that reality, whatever that success is for us, but we do so while everything is flourishing. So uh, I wasn't always in that space, though. I, I actually, um, I spent about five years after college in the software engineering space. Um, and I'm happy to dive into any of my journey that is valuable for your folks. But, you know, my whole college search was based on where I could play soccer, dumb luck my way into engineering. Um, and then they never scared me away from the program. So I, you know, I finished with an engineering degree and ended up in software in New York City. And I used that as an opportunity to fund all of my business ventures, my entrepreneurial endeavors, um, because I always wanted to create. And uh, so the coaching consulting was the third business that I started while in corporate. I built it for a year and a half while I was still in an engineering uh, system, I guess. Um, and frankly, I probably stayed so long because it was really hard to walk away from that kind of money. I was making really good money as an engineer. and. You know, it was 
a little difficult to walk away from a six-figure salary when rent's so damn high in New York City. <laughs> and um, yeah, built that for a year and a half as a side hustle, I guess you could say, and then eventually took that full time. And uh, it's been an amazing journey. So uh, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to jump into whatever is will serve your audience. Yeah, I love it. So you're saying high performance and not settling for mediocre in our lives and doing things that are scary, like you had to leave your engineer uh, position. So tell us a little bit about why you decided that what you're helping people with is what you wanted to help people with. And what is the, what's the most common thing you see holding people back from doing the things that they need to do? Mm, it's a good question. Uh, I'll tackle the first part first. We'll go in order here. Why I wanted to do what I'm doing. Um, well, like I mentioned, I mean, it was the third thing that I started while I was in corporate. And for me, it was always, I was always seeking something that I could create like seeking some opportunity to serve at a really high level so that I could create the financial abundance I wanted in my life. You know, and, and I got a lot of pushback on that because most people, I very much grew up in the system of go to school, get good grades to get a good job. And I did that and I was making a lot of money and most people couldn't really fathom why I would want to walk away from that because, you know, engineering outside of a sales position, like in terms of a salaried, like non-commissioned position, engineering is about as close as you get to like making solid money within an employee structure. Uh, so no one really understood why I wanted more, like why I wasn't content with, you know, 75, 100, 125, like whatever thousand dollars a year. Um, but I was always trying to find something where I could serve at a really high level and make a lot of money. And this was just one of the things in that path. You know, my number one life pillar is impact over income. And my favorite book of all time is a book called The Go-Giver by Bob Berg and John David Mann. I was actually fortunate enough. I got to interview Bob on my podcast a couple of weeks ago, and it was so, awesome. so, so awesome for me. And uh, one of the principles that they share in this, which really helped me put that life pillar into like a phrase that I could con like conceptualize was your income will always be directly proportional to the number of lives that you touch in a positive way. So we always hear like, cool, you want to make more money, solve a bigger problem. And I was just seeking the problems to solve. And this was just another step. So that service mindset was always like ingrained. And I was being pushed into the coaching industry for a number of years. And frankly, I resisted it like the plague. I'm like, hell no, that's not for me. I had a lot of negative stigma that I had to work out. Um, even though my friends, like very, very, one of my best friends in the world was like, dude, you could help a lot of people. I'm like, nope, life coach, that ain't me. Get away. Uh, because back then Instagram wasn't as big and it was big, but not as big as it is now. And I'm like, I see a bunch of 17 year olds with those phrases in their bios. I'm like, you don't have a business. You don't, I didn't know what yeah. coaching was, frankly. I thought it was consulting, mm -hmm. which is like giving a solution. Right. Uh, I didn't realize that coaching was really like, I'm not here to solve problems. I help navigate conversation and facilitate breakthroughs. So that was on me. I didn't understand it, but it held me back for a long time. And eventually I met Brennan Burchard. He's the world's leading high performance coach. And uh, hearing the terms high performance gave me permission. You know, I feel like we're seeking permission whenever we're hesitating. And that was it for me. It were words I could resonate with. And um, yeah, I literally wrote my first program, Fear Hacking Academy, on the flight home from that event. So wow. 
I don't know that that answers your question, but it's like, it was just a bunch of, bunch of steps. And uh, yeah, this is just one on the journey just to serve. Yeah, I love that. So fear hacking. Okay. So there's a few questions that have come up for me while you were explaining all that. First of all, I think you're right that there's so many in every industry though, we can't just say it's coaching. There's negative stigma or there's people who left it up for everybody else or there is a 17 year old with an instagram bio that says they're a coach for you know whatever and so it happens Mm -hmm. um and i think one of the key things for you that that allowed you to step into the space of i'm going to leave my job etc you had to let go of feeling like you had to prove yourself to your family and friends probably feeling like you had to well not necessarily prove yourself but like you know, let go of that they have standards for how someone should live their life and that they should get a good job and get good grades, et cetera. Yeah. And you had to break the boundaries a little bit and go outside of that and not really let what they thought mm-hmm. keep you from doing that. So can you tell our listeners how, when you are making a decision like to go to Brandon Bouchard, Bouchard's event where it's really expensive or to start, leave your engineering job, et cetera, how do you do that when there's a lot of fear involved or it's scary? What, how have you been able to get yourself to do those things? Yeah. So specifically, do you mean fear around the pushback from family? Yeah. I'm talking about how do you make these scary decisions when maybe you don't have support, when maybe it's really expensive, when, you know, all these limiting blocks are in the way. Well, I think I built up to it. Um, I started really, really small and they were little things. And frankly, I just didn't involve people in those conversations, uh, sometimes. And eventually I built up into bigger and bigger and bigger ones. And, um, I mean, at the end of the day, I was making the money. It was my life and I knew what I wanted to create with it. So I didn't really concern myself with other people's opinions and I didn't really have those conversations where I did start to have those conversations with them was I think the first time the first time I ever was about to make a five figure investment in myself and my business and I wasn't sure how I was going to pay for it it went on credit before I did that I called my dad because my dad is self employed uh my mom's the accountant so I was not about to ask her cuz she was just going to be like nope <laughs> stupid decision um and I had a conversation like just like a raw authentic conversation around why I wanted to do what I was about to do and he gave me his advice, which coincidentally happened to be, I don't think the time is right, but you have to make your own decision. I decided the time was right and I did it anyway. And it ended up being one of the best decisions I've ever made because as part of that investment, I went down to an event in Fiji and that was where eventually I had all these breakthroughs that led to me realizing that I could put pen to paper and map out how I could leave my job and take the business full time because I had a bunch of negative BS stories going on in my head. So, you know, you can always piece it back to like what decision you made that led to it. So I'm grateful for that. So that was probably the first time I included them in that conversation. But what I will say is when I left corporate, six days, I put my notice in six days after I got back from that trip in Fiji. And um, the only reason I waited six days before I left that country, I put two hours on my calendar for as soon as I got back into the States to literally put pen to paper for two hours to map out what my exact financial situation was and how I could make it happen now. 
And if so, what my runway would be. And if I couldn't do it right now, when could I, and what would I need to do to get there? And, um, I did that. Only reason I waited six days to give my notice is because I wanted to go home the following weekend. Uh, cause it was actually like my mine and my sister's birthday while I was in Fiji. So we went home to celebrate a little bit late. And, um, I wanted to have a conversation with like, my folks and say, Hey, this is what I'm doing. Not, this is what I did just to involve them in the situation. Like what they said, wasn't going to change my decision. Cause it was my decision at the end of the day, but I wanted to have them help them feel involved in it. Um, and I'll be honest, when I first said it, my mom looked like she saw a ghost. Like she's like, what you, you want to walk away from all that money like this and that. But by the time I, I, we had a, a rather lengthy conversation. I shared my piece about it. And by the time we were done, and I never expected this to happen, by the way, uh, by the time we were done, my mom was like, I think you're right. Like now is the time for you to bet on yourself. You wow. know, like you're young, you don't have a family, like you, you have no responsibilities other than your own bills. Like why not bet on yourself now? Because otherwise you're going to get bogged down and, and, uh, you might not be able to make that that bet on yourself, or it might be difficult to do so later on. So right. everyone was on board and, and I just involved them in the conversation. I love that. I, there's okay. So lucky for me, my dad is somebody who said to me, if you want to do this entrepreneur thing, like start when you're young, do it now before you have a family, before you have all the bills before blah, blah, yeah. blah. And I'm really lucky that he told me that because a lot of parents would tell their kids the opposite. It's so risky. Don't do that to yourself. It's really hard. <laughs> and all the above is true. But I, I love that your mom came around and said that. But I also love that you, it's this theme of you are keeping up with the person who you're meant to become. Meaning when you came home, you did lay out a plan. And the thing that soothes our mind the most is just trying to figure things out and feeling like we're making progress. And so even though you were still somewhat new, you didn't know how it was all going to work out. It's the future is so uncertain. You did mm -hmm. what you had to do to give yourself this feeling that, okay, I could probably figure this out. I think these are my options. Here's what would need to happen, et cetera. So anytime somebody's facing a very scary situation and they're trying to make a decision, um, it, it comes back to, are you keeping up with the person who you're meant to become? And what's the worst case that can happen? Because clearly you weighed out your options and you you did think about, well, there's no better time than now. The longer I wait, the harder it's going to be to break away from this job because I just get, you know, you get older and you get more bills and you get all the things. So um, yeah. I love that. Now, when you say you got involved with Brendan Burchard, are you one of his um, coaches, the the human high performance coach thing? Yeah. So I'm certified through high performance Institute, awesome. but it's, it's, I know there are other certifications where it's like a franchise thing. Like I have the certification and I operate my own business and that's cool. just one of my product offerings. Very cool. And so tell us a little bit about how you developed fear hacking, what it really means, how, yeah. how we can take some steps to hack our fears and use this method that you've created. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So fear hacking was something that I created many, many years 
or not even created. Like it was something that I practiced many, many years before I even built the program. Um, it was something that I kind of, I created it for myself during times in my life where I felt like I lost something, like I lost a piece of me because something else got prioritized, whether that was, um, I don't know, like we, we go through ebbs and flows in life. Maybe I was like focusing on my corporate career at the time, like a project was going live and had to work crazy hours at the office. And I stopped doing a certain element of maybe building the business that I was building at the time, or, or maybe my personal development, or I stopped meditating, or I stopped working out, like whatever, something was lost. Um, there were a couple different times in my life where I, I had certain practices that I would implement and I didn't know why they worked, but they, they would help me like skyrocket production around specific areas, whatever I was building these blitzes around. And I was always curious why it worked. I didn't really care though. Like I, I, I knew a little bit, but I didn't really know all of the data behind it. So I never would have considered building a program. And, um, this is a great example of how life is working for you and not to you. But, uh, I happened to get connected. Like I, I was listening to some podcast or something and it was Mel Robbins. I want to say on Lewis Howe's podcast and. She said something so simple that I heard so many times before, but for whatever reason, it just like it resonated, it triggered. And it was something simply along the lines of decisions are emotional. They're not logical. Okay. Heard it countless times before. Like, obviously we knew that, yeah. uh, but for whatever reason it resonated. And I remember I was standing on the six train down the heart of Manhattan. That was like how I commuted to work. Um, Cause I used to live in the upper East side. I tried to travel all the way down to the financial district and you're like standing because the train is freaking packed. It's like the train right down the middle of the city. And um, I remember standing against the door and like hearing that. And I just was, I was blown away. I'm like, obviously it's so freaking simple. Now, then you fast forward three months. I go to Lewis's event. Brendan happens to be one of the keynotes. Didn't even know who he was, by the way. Um, up until that point, I remember I was in an Uber on the way to the welcome party with a guy who I eventually would hire as my business coach, not too long after that. And we were like, Hey, who are you most excited to hear speak at this event? And he was talking about how Brendan is like the next big thing and this and that. And I was like, okay, cool. I got excited to hear from him and, um, yeah, met him, got really excited about it. And the, the seeds were already planted because it was something I created for myself. I implemented for myself, like, you know, a 12 week span, I posted like 300 something times on Instagram across various channels, wrote 12 blog posts, 36 Facebook lives, like crazy numbers, um, in this blitz. So I, and by the way, that was coming from like zero in all categories. Nice. So the numbers were gnarly and, um, it was something I knew worked and now I had the science behind it. And then I met Brennan. It was the permission to enter it. And, and I jumped on that flight and wrote out the whole curriculum. But really all fear hacking is, is a way for us to hack our decision-making. You alluded to it before Haley, like we know what we need to do. We just don't do it. And like, why, why is that? Okay. There are a lot of things that, that go into it, but uh, at the end of the day, our life boils down to our decisions. So if we can hack that decision-making and start making some different decisions that are in alignment with what we want to create, then we could start to construct a different reality for ourselves faster. Okay. And that's what we do in Fear Hacking Academy. It's, it's a blitz based program. So it's, it's a way that we can really skyrocket production really, really quick. And essentially we're just hacking the decision making process and leveraging fear instead of getting paralyzed by it. Right. Okay. So many things. First of all, 
I, can we just talk about Lewis House for a second? Because when I worked in the business and marketing startup world, um, one of the companies that I worked for I was like getting to wear many hats. I was highly involved. I put my coaching business on hold. I moved across the country, et cetera. Ended up the whole team, it got scrapped for a while because they were yeah. facing all these delays. Whole team got let go. And <laughs> Lewis, I have a soft spot for Lewis House because to recover, I was very sad, obviously. And there was a lot going on at that time in my life. And I was um I would hike and cry and listen to Lewis House podcast. Um and I was nobody knew what was going on. I had my sunglasses on, but I was just like listening to School of Greatness, crying on my hike. But anyways, that's awesome. Um, so Not the crying on. part, but the podcast part. <laughs> yeah. It was part of my healing. It was part of my yeah. healing. I don't really listen to him anymore. Maybe it's because I have a negative time phrase connotation with Maybe. him. <laughs> Maybe. Um, but anyways. Love him, and I got to see him pop bopping around. I didn't get to see him speak, but uh, at the Bulletproof conference, and I also got to mm -hmm. see at that one Brendan Bouchard, mm -hmm. and he's an incredible. I I use his high performance planner. I love him. Um, but tell me about okay productivity hacks because you said making a decision, and I have a another podcast episode on this called like something like oh, over I don't know some stop overthinking or something, and it I mentioned how. What's his name? Uh, Jeff Bezos. He said in an interview that he makes a decision when he's 40% sure about something and he just hmm. goes through with it, which is crazy to me because, you know, for people who are super, you know, over, like to overanalyze or whatever, yeah. um, he, he just goes through with things when he's 40% sure, quote unquote. So let's talk about decision making mm -hmm. and how do we become better decision makers and how do we become, well, Okay, two different questions. But okay, let's just talk about productivity hacks. I'm getting a, a too all over the place, but I, let's talk about productivity hacks for how how do we just jump into the decisions and start doing it? Yeah. Well, I'm curious about the decision making piece. It, it, I my I'm assuming that the 40% sure piece is really like 80 or 90% sure. And then the 60 is just filled with overthinking. Mm -hmm. um, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I'd imagine Jeff Bezos is talking about that in the sense that like, Hey, uh, we should just follow our gut. Cause once you're 40% sure you're really all the way there and you're just overthinking the rest. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's where I'd imagine he's going with it. Um, but yeah, productivity is productivity is everything to me because before I started even remotely considering the coaching space, uh, the part I, I didn't talk about this in my story because I really, really like brushed through a lot of my corporate piece, but my trajectory in corporate was very, very linear. Like every year was big promotion or big pay raise, like really, really growing fast. And, um, and I was hitting all the targets I thought were important. I thought that I needed to have. So on the outside, things looked great. I had the title, I had the salary, I had the luxury apartment before like the age of 25, like I was killing it in the public eye. But what people didn't realize is like behind closed doors, I was completely broken. And for a very, very long time in that journey, I was struggling immensely with anxiety, like debilitating panic attacks, spent an entire year going to doctors, getting my chest x-ray, doing the breathing test, trying to figure out why I felt like I couldn't breathe because I had zero idea what was going on. 
if anyone's ever experienced this, it just feels like there's a thousand pounds on your chest. And I thought it was literally like physiological. I didn't realize that it was like, I didn't know what anxiety was. I had no freaking idea about any of this. And fast forward towards the end, when I really started to figure out what was going on, the engineer in me had to reverse engineer what was going on. And I'm like, okay, well, when am I feeling these attacks? And without a doubt, a thousand percent of the time, it was because I felt guilty for not working every single time. So and, glad you said that. Yeah. And what I realized is I had no idea what productivity was. thought it was like getting things done, being busy, checking things off of a to-do list. I felt like if I wasn't working 47 hours a day, I wasn't being productive enough. And then you pair that with a very like negative landscape of social media, not realizing that it was a highlight reel, thinking that I was looking at the people who seemingly had what I wanted and thought I was looking at the blueprint and really having to find out that they were only sharing the highs and not the lows. So you pair those two together and it's a recipe for freaking disaster. And uh, I focused on the productivity piece and I realized that I had one, no idea what it was. And two, like I had to really start learning about it. I started geeking out about it. That's what led me down the first rabbit hole and eventually like led me into this world that I opened up to the coaching space. So now productivity is just a small fraction of what we do in the high performance coaching world. But for me, it's like my baby. It's like, it's like, I always joke it was my gateway drug to high performance because without it, I don't know that I would be in this space where I belonged. Maybe I would find another way to get here. Um, but it's it's such an interesting space because, and I'd imagine I, I struck a nerve because you were like, I'm so excited. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I feel like it's it's an interesting space in this entrepreneurial landscape where we have a lot of people that are preaching like grind, hustle, grind, work 37 hours a day. Like you have to, or you're not, you don't care enough. You're not working yeah. hard enough. Like I'm going to work harder than you. And I was very much that for a long time. And, um, don't get me wrong. Like I still have a sickening work ethic and I'm very proud of it, but I have kind of pulled the reins in a little bit and I, I know what I want to create with my life. And it yeah. gave me a different lens to look at things through. So, uh, there are tons of productivity tips, strategies we can walk into and, and discuss whatever you think is valuable. I'm happy to, uh, to jump in and, and share, but I'll, I'll stop ranting for a second. Cause every time I answer, I know there's a lot that you want to jump into. No, it's all good. I I agree with you though that this idea of like there's okay, so there's there's two different brand personality types I've noticed. One of them there's the Grant Cardone, Scary V, hustle, hustle, work hard. You know, if you're that not getting what you want, yeah. And then there's this anti-hustle group where mm-hmm. they're like, you know, just just it's all intuitive and all that stuff. And and I like to think of myself as a nice middle (laughs) where I am all about, I'm the same way as you. I can, I have a work ethic for sure. And I love to work. Like I, I enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, at the same time, I'm also into like, well, if the intention behind the work, or if you're, um, you're not energized or you're not feeling good while you're doing it and you're like killing yourself. Like I am not that kind of person. I, it's not me. So I'm mm-hmm. with you on that. I think we both, and, and I think you have to probably um, maybe have an epiphany moment where you realize it's not about how much you check off your list or the activities that you're doing, but it's about the impact you're making. What do you actually want to produce each day? And what are the things that are most aligned with your goals that will move you forward the most? And productivity yeah. is not how much you get done. It's 
how much like per like how much impact is it going to make on your life? How efficient is the process? How, exactly. Right. So what are some ways like what are some things you realized in your business as when you were consulting people and having different models and things? What were mm -hmm. you like, you know, this task isn't driving me forward at all or it isn't it's not worth it. I'm going to take it off my list. Is, mm -hmm. is there anything you think coaches are doing out there that maybe they don't need to be doing as much or stressing about as much? Yeah. Well, I, I think that first of all, you're spot on. Like the reason that I, the biggest realization I had with respect to productivity was I didn't realize that it wasn't just about doing things. I didn't realize that doing things didn't matter if the things I was doing didn't matter. Right. Mm -hmm. Which sounds so simple, yet we still freaking do the things that don't matter all the time. Right. And we're human. Like I still do it, but I try and keep a, a close eye on it, right? There's always things that don't matter have a tendency to find their way into our schedule, which is why we need to be protective of our time. Um, now, to answer your question, things that maybe didn't serve me or on this journey or, or whatever it may be. And, and yes, absolutely. I've tested countless different business models. I've tested the low ticket, like monthly recurring revenue model. I've tested way high ticket. I've tested digital products from like 47 to 297. Uh, and some worked, some didn't. And I think that like, that's okay. I just need to figure out what was the impact I wanted to have? How could I assign meaning to what I was creating? And that meaning would then essentially drive me to create everything a lot faster, right? Because there'd be that emotional attachment to it. So for me, something that didn't work for me was I didn't want to create a low ticket monthly inner circle. I loved doing it. I had a great time with it. I had a bunch of people in it and I built an amazing community that like I was proud to be a part of. And I was like blessed to be in community with these people. Uh, but I had to look at it from like a bottom line perspective. And I'm like, financially, this doesn't make sense. And luckily the community was really awesome like filled with really good people. So when I had that call with them and I'm like, Hey, I'm shelving this and this is why. And I could just open the curtains and be like, this is, this is what I'm doing. And this is why I'm doing it. And it sucks. Cause I love you guys, but I'll leave the group open and, and you guys can continue to build these relationships. You'll always have access to the content and I just got to move on for me. And, um, and it was a learning curve, but like, you got to know the end of the, the, the underlying thing above all this. And this goes from what I'm saying back to what you were alluding to in your question. Like at the end of the day, it always comes back to clarity, which in the high performance world is the pillar. It's like the cornerstone habit. I always compare it to a rising tide. So like when you have clarity, everything rises together, but when you don't, everything kind of falls back a bit. Right. It's almost like that magnifying glass, like the amplification source, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. It just makes everything better or everything down to nothing. So with respect to productivity, when we know what we want to create, we know what can what needs to fill our schedule. Right. Mm -hmm. If we don't know, it's way more likely that our schedule will get filled with the things that don't matter. And then we'll get three, six, nine, twelve months down the line. And we're wondering why we're not reaching our goals or like not even inching towards it. Mm -hmm. It's because we were just like going through the motions. 
because we weren't intentional. We didn't get insane levels of clarity around what we actually wanted to create or like what feeling we wanted to develop or who we wanted to serve or any of these things. We didn't know that. So we're just doing what we thought we're supposed to do because of a program we invested in or, you know, a a coach we, we invested in or, or whatever it is. And we were working through someone else's system without understanding if it's in alignment with what we want. So okay. clarity and productivity go super hand in hand and it would be do, we'd be doing it a disjust or disservice without, you know, talking about them together, I think. Yeah, definitely. So getting clear on what moves the needle the most for you, what makes sense, what's aligned with how you want to feel and who you want to be. Um, yeah. What would you say to somebody who maybe doesn't have clarity right now? Meaning maybe they're, um, and I always talk about this because I help coaches understand like if they want x goal what are the things that will move the needle for you and what what are the activities that are revenue generating and what's your Mm -hmm. sales process and all that stuff and how do you be better at the things that matter and ditch the rest but at the same time i think there's going to be listeners you know because we live in this world where well, but, there, but there's so many things you could do pinterest and, and so many things that work too like there's you could pick something and yep. go with it and it's worked for someone and so it can work for you too so and just like diets it's they say there's no one size fits all because it's right so it's what you can stick to what you like what works with your lifestyle etc but let's mm-hmm. say there's somebody listening and they don't they're so overwhelmed with all the shiny objects and all the different things and they don't know where to start with the clarity process are there yeah. some questions you'd want to ask them or uh, like journal reflection things or what would you suggest that they do to start getting yeah. clear on something yeah. So I think it depends. First, it depends on what stage you're at. Like if you're trying to figure out what it is that you want to do, you got to taste as Gary V says, like you have to try a bunch of stuff and uh, shiny object syndrome is super relevant, but you have to commit to testing things, mm-hmm. right? We're not going to, if I'm trying 35 different industries, I'm going to have no idea which one's lighting me up. Zero clue. So you need to actually do that. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's tough to answer that question specifically without having a specific phase that we're at. But at the end of the day, seeking clarity, all that it is, is just asking questions and asking better questions. If we want better answers, we need to start asking better questions. And that's all seeking clarity is, you know, and uh, what I love about it is there's like, it's not difficult to do. High performers just do it more consistently. You know, so uh, a good example that I always like to use is Brendan has this practice seek or release tension, set intention. The releasing tension piece is just a breathing exercise, literally like release tension, clear all the slates. So you're not carrying extra energy and anxiety and overwhelm or whatever from your previous time block into the next meeting or the next coaching call or whatever. Uh, you're kind of like clearing the slate, but the setting intention is the clarity building piece. So for that and maybe this will spark some thoughts for somebody and they could pivot or like maybe think like how can i look at it my my situation through this lens but some of those questions would just be like how do i need to show up in this next time block like what of my skill sets is most important in this next block of time on my calendar how can i best be of service that that one's super versatile right if we know the mission that we want to serve the people we want to serve how can I best be of service? Like that will point you in a direction and then you can start to figure out what business model or what industry or, or how you can serve. Like 
who needs me on my A game right now? And what does that A game look like? Like what characteristics, what skill sets need to show up most powerfully in this next block of time, in this next week, in this next year for me to best be in service to the people I love, the people on my team, my family, my business, like my clients, everything. So go ahead and replay that and like, look at some of these questions, guys, and and figure out how you can inject this into whatever season you're in. Mm-hmm. Like how maybe you can even just Google like good clarif- clarity building questions. Like I'm sure yeah. there are countless resources, you know, like don't cheat, use Google was the first thing I ever learned in my yeah. engineering career. And uh, it's relevant everywhere. Like the the internet has everything we want. So. So true. Yeah. Pinterest has some good journal things. And also the book Chasing Cupcakes by Elizabeth Benton has like 700 questions or something. And she loves, I love her. She's a a personal development person. And um, she always talks about um, like, what does my best look like today? Because every day is different and you're going to have limited time or you're going to be traveling or whatever. So what does my best work look like today? What is my best healthy lifestyle look like today, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, and breaking it down. And some of the questions you mentioned are in my high performance planner. The, yep. the one about a game. I love the a game question, but another question is, um, what might trip me up today and how will I handle that? Or how do I want to handle that? And that so one's good. so key. Yeah. Because I can't tell you how many times I've looked at my day and like looked at the time and how I block things that I'm like, I'm not going to, what's going to trip me up is this is impossible <laughs> to achieve all of this. Yeah. And I need to break, like, this is not all going to happen. So it's truly important. Um, so I love the question idea. And I, I, another book for anybody listening to the playback um, is You Are Badass at Making Money. She has a bunch of like mm. money mindset questions that might help you. A lot of books yeah. have good questions in them. Um, 100%. But anyways, love that. And and okay, I'll share two more things. I'm sorry. I get very excited when it comes to questions. No, go or for journaling. it. I say this on every possible thing that I go on or whatever is um, Dan Sullivan's Impact Filter and Dan Sullivan's okay. Experience Transformer. Have you ever seen these? They, they're simple questions. You're going to look at it and be like, duh. But if you Google, like Google it and see a blog where they post the questions. But um, it's great because you do the impact filter before you go. Let's say you went, spent a bunch of dough on a conference and you want to make sure you get the most out of it and you're present and you're loving it. You do an impact yeah. filter beforehand. And then okay. let's say you did something already and it's in the past and it was a mistake or it was bad or you have to look at the numbers or your business isn't yeah. going well. You do the experience transformer and that will allow you to learn from the past thing and be better moving forward. So I like both of those okay. because it just makes me feel better. It makes me, whenever I go into something feeling like I have intentions or I've clearly looked at, just like you did when you when you laid out your plan to leave your job or you looked at yeah. what had happened, it makes you, it gives you this sense first of clarity, like you just said, and then you can be more intentional, right? Was it clear? What was that phrase you said? Uh, what was it? Release tension, set intention. Release tension. Yeah, set intention. I love that. That's going to be a little, that's everybody can tweet that and tag Mike and I. Um, but yeah, yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. Ta- tag Brennan. It's, it's his, uh, it's his practice and it's super, super powerful. Something that you could do in literally like two minutes, whatever time you can afford. Mm-hmm. I highly suggest people 
I'm, I'm sure he has a YouTube video somewhere. It's like a breathing exercise paired with a clarity building exercise. And it's like insanely powerful to inject right in between time blocks in the day. Love that. And he's all, I love that, that it seems to me, I, I don't know enough about what you guys do in his program, but I, it seems to me like he's all about working it into your day that you already are having. Meaning like he has that thing where he has cues to remind him of his goals or his intentions. Like mm -hmm. for example, every time I go under a doorway, I'm going to think of X, Y, Z, or I'm going to remember to like kiss my wife or whatever his, you know, I, I've heard him interviewed and he says that he always has like cute, whenever I'm in my car, I'm going to think of X, Y, Z or whatever. Mm. Um, so he's very intentional and deliberate, which is, is super cool. But the other thing I want to mention about this, because we have many type A's or what we would call, they would label themselves as perfectionists. Many people don't um, like to take the time to release tension or to release resistance or to take a walk or to take the time to slow down and look at the numbers and look at everything and evaluate because mm -hmm. I think it's a, it's slowing them down and it's a waste of time. And I personally have definitely struggled with this. Like sometimes I'm like, like for, for this sure. morning I sat down and I did not expect to do this. I had a bunch of things moved around today. I spent like an hour and a half to two hours, just kind of like, because I've had 12 different ongoing lists and people I haven't answered and things. I had to sit down and reorganize everything because I literally don't even know who I'm, what I'm supposed to be doing with my life like, yeah. because I have these like split energies everywhere on paper. So it, and, and that alone, even though I felt like, Oh crap, like I spent way too much time on this now moving forward the rest of the day, I was able to be more present here. I was able to feel so much better so can yeah. you tell us what, what would you suggest if there's like somebody listening and they're like, this is a waste of time or I'm, I'm losing ground when I'm slowing down. Right. What, what, yeah. what would you say? Well, first I totally get it. And it's a reasonable thing to think, right? Like when we're building anything really, like we, we need to be very protective of our resources, time, energy, and finances. But at the end of the day, it's really important to reframe it and ask better questions. It's like, cool. Well, why don't I want to do it? And, and that's a pretty simple answer. It's like, I don't want to invest. Like I could spend the time doing the thing instead of thinking about doing the thing more effectively. Right. I get it. But would it serve you to actually spend that time preparing? Right. It's like that old thing. It's like if, if I had eight hours to, chop down a tree or whatever the phrase is, I would spend the first six sharpening the ax. And it can be very difficult when you're in the middle of it to be able to reframe and think like, huh, what if I invested this time? What if it's not a an expenditure? What if it's an investment, right? And what if that investment yielded better results? So when it comes to the clarity building, cool easiest way to think about it that I like to think about it, and at least paint the picture is when you know exactly what you're going to do and you have utmost confidence, first of all, that confidence is going to yield better results because you're going to be firing on all cylinders. Second of all, there's going to be no downtime in between actions because you know exactly what's going on. That time adds up, add all that up, spend that getting ready, right? And then it's a complete just conversion of your time. But it's just at the end of the day, it is an, ex, it's an, it's an investment, not an expense. And we need to just reframe that. And, and it might be 
there might be a lot of resistance to that at first, but it's, it's something that I think we've all had to learn the hard way at some point. So hopefully people will listen to this and just trust us on this Haley and, mm -hmm. and they'll do it now without having to learn and they can hack our learning curve um, and, and bring it to life. So investment, not an expense. I love that. That's a different mindset perspective that many people that, you know, I, it, I look back and I'm like, oh, I spent so much time on that. But everything has a lesson and everything is better, is more practice if you choose to see it that way. And just last yeah. week, um, I was interviewing Brad Hart, who does, helps people start masterminds. And he was saying something like, everything you want is just an ask, a solution, um, a person away. And you just have to figure out what's that next step or what's that next logical thing. Um, so I think, and, and sometimes it takes time to figure that out. But then once you do, sure. you're taking a big jump versus stumbling and then detouring and getting distracted and all the things. So um, good stuff. I like it. So Mike, um, what is there, what else would you say to new business owners who are freaking out right now? Meaning freaking out because either they're not hitting their goals, they don't have a clear plan. They can't afford to invest anything except for maybe a little bit of time. And here's a, the, <laughs> That's a big thing because we have to pick <laughs> time, money, uh, energy, right? That we have to put stuff into our business. And sometimes it's hard when yeah. you have multiple projects. So what suggestions would you give to them if they're feeling that right now? Yeah, I would say, first of all, you need to maximize your schedule. If you're working nine to five, you're trying to build this business, you, you think you can't afford to invest in the coaches, invest in the support that will help hack the learning curve. You need to be maximizing every ounce of your schedule. So you need to be time blocking. You need to know where your time is going. You need to make sure that that time investment is in alignment with what you want to create. And it's not a waste, right? Uh, and, and by the way, that doesn't mean you only have to work. You just need to make sure that you're living in accordance with your values and whatever your, your view of that is. Um, because hey, if, if people love spending time with their friends and family, I'll never knock it. But the second they start complaining that they don't have time when that's what they're spending and they really want to create this amazing business, but they're not living in alignment with that, that's when I'll call them out on it. So know what you want and get as effective as possible with the, the time that makes sense for you to work towards that. Um, and then the second thing I'm, I'm going to touch on the money thing, and this is going to be a really controversial opinion, but everyone says that you need money to make money. And I just don't believe that that's true. I think that you need access to money to make money. And when we think that we can't afford something, I think that we need to look at how we can afford it. Again, asking different questions that will serve us a little bit better and, uh, and figuring out what that looks like. So that five figure investment I talked about calling my dad on the phone and having a conversation with him, I paid an entire credit card off the day before. So I had the opportunity to put it all on a credit card, knowing that my financing that I could negotiate for would be better than the financing they offered me at the event. And then Monday morning, I went to my bank and I negotiated a lower interest rate that I knew that I could manage, right? So every investment that I've ever made up until this day has always gone on credit and I've creatively found a way to get it to 0% interest or low interest rates. And there are plenty of opportunities to do that. I've personally leveraged credit to do it. So when we think we can't afford it, we might not have 10 grand in the bank that we could just dish out for a program, but you may be able to apply for that credit card and 
by the way, don't use it on like consumer goods and like get a bunch of bad debt. There's a big difference between good debt and bad debt. But if we're going to invest in something that's going to pay us back, right? Mentorship, masterminds, getting around the people that have what we want, learning the skill sets that we need to develop to get where we want to go. That is what I would consider good debt. And I know a lot of people would agree with that. And, um, and that's what I would say is I, you, you need to just look at how can you access the capital? Maybe it's applying for a credit card. Uh, and, and getting that intro 0% APR so you can invest in the mastermind or the coaching or, or whatever it is and know that you don't have to pay interest for 12 to 18 months and then work your ass off to build that revenue up so that you could pay that off before you get, you know, killed with interest and you could do that effectively. So that was true for me and my story. I know that's been true for a lot of people that I've worked with and, and a lot of my friends that I've, and colleagues that I've helped through certain situations. So. That's my take on it. You know, you got to be really, really, um, really protective of your time in the early stages. And then you got to stop asking, oh, well, man, that's not like I can't afford that. Instead, start asking, how can I afford it? And, and look at it that way. Uh, because that changed the game for me. And, uh, by the way, don't just do that to invest in anything. Like you got to have your own filters and make sure that it will actually get you where you want to go. Like the person has what they, what you want, or they can teach you what you need to learn to get where you want to go. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Rant over. No, I, I love that. And I think it's so true that so many people are just hiding behind their excuses or, and, and don't get me wrong. Some people have a very, cha uh, very challenging circumstances. Let's, For sure. I mean, there's no doubt about that ever, but what's, what I think happens is sometimes they just let that continue to delay them from taking any action or taking yeah. a step to try to figure it out. And, and it's a shield. What you're saying, yes, what you're saying is everything's figure outable. If you're really willing to put in the work, find the right people, you know, all of that. So, yeah. um, yeah, very good. And I love that you decipher, <laughs> you said the difference between good debt and bad debt. Yeah. Um, because two people will say, I can't afford something. And yet they're spending, money on alcohol and uh you know Jordans. shoes yeah shoes uh yeah exactly so um it's priorities stuff. at the end of the day priorities and same thing with our time so mm -hmm. tell you said you have to be super conscious with your time and that you have to time block so tell us where you as as is somebody running a program mm -hmm. and like many coaches um what is the best use of your time? What usually goes into your schedule? And that would be maybe valuable for our coaches to hear um, and understand. Yeah. So it, it really, <laughs> I hate answering questions with it depends, but it does depend. So like, right, it depends on the season that you're in, I'll say. There are a couple staples that are like ubiquitous, no matter what season I'm in. And those are like my personal growth type things. So fitness, uh, right now it's meditation. Honestly, full transparency. That's been super volatile for me over the last like three to five years, <laughs> but, um, I'm on day. Theoretically, it should be day 105, but I fell asleep at 7 PM one night and meditated at 1215 when I woke up in the morning and muse didn't give me that day. So technically I'm on day five and muse. Uh, even though I'm technically meditated twice that next day. So that sucks, but like a loss is a lot. So, uh, I'm on day five now. Before that, it was 97 or 98. 
Um, so there's a bit of consistency coming back. So that one's huge for me right now. My personal development, whether that's reading, podcasts, like whatever, that's all big. So those are like my personal growth staples that will always be in there in some capacity, whatever I can afford time-wise at that point. Uh, then it, it really depends on what business model I'm, again, I told you I've tested a bunch and uh, I found what works for me, but it depends. Like, am I in a launch phase? Am I in a, a deliverable phase? Like, am I, what am I doing right now? My podcast is the biggest priority. So a lot of my time, like this entire week is spent interviewing on other shows, right? And growing that audience. Cause I know what we're building is really, really amazing. And, and I'm really excited about it. So that's a lot of my time right now, uh, outside of my calls with my clients. So. That's really it. And, and yeah. it depends on the deliverables of your programs as well. Like I have my like really high ticket stuff where I'm working with people one-on-one -on -one where we have like a call a week and, and that's just devote one-on-one -on -one devoted time on zoom. I have other programs that are a bit lower ticket that are like less, uh, a bit, little bit lower touch points. So mm -hmm. like there'll be uh Voxer communication. It's like right before we got on here, I had a couple minutes in between meetings. I'm like, cool, let me hop in my Voxer inbox and answer some folks. And I'll probably do that later today as well. So it depends on your deliverables, but I think as long as you're time blocking and whatever flavor that that works well for you, right? There's countless different strategies around time blocking, but whatever works well for you, as long as you have a really tight grip on where your time is being spent and you can look at it and confidently say, this is where I need to be spending it because this is, I want to get to Z, right? So I need to be doing X and Y, and this is why this deserves my time then you'll be in a good position. So yeah. that's what I would say about that. Yeah, it's about what season you're in. I like how you said that. Are you in a launch? Are you in just serving your clients? Are you in both? Yeah. You half and half, right? Um, so very good. I like that feedback. And I think it's okay to give yourself permission to be in different seasons in your life too, because sometimes I think people think I always need to be in tip-top fitness shape and also you know, cooking for my family and also coaching and launching my business and right and we can't yeah. I, I i don't know do you believe we can no. uh do all no, I don't. all <laughs> no i i i think it goes hand in hand with the concept of balance mm -hmm. which i i believe is like a fleeting concept i don't i don't think that balance exists um i think that it's a great ideal but like Come on, you're going to tell yeah. me that you're going to launch a massive business and at the same time, you're going to devote the same exact time to your family life. Mm -hmm. And then, oh, by the way, when you're on vacation with your family, you're going to devote the same hours to your business. Like, right. It's, it's just not, it's not a thing. I don't believe that. And, um, I think that the second that we can become okay with that, it alleviates a lot of the pressure, right? It's like, okay, I'm going to be all in it. It's just like, be where your feet are, Right it's okay for me to go all in on my business because I know that this is creating the time where I can go all in on my family time or I can go all in on my health time. And, and at the end of the day, uh, I, I ran a podcast a couple of years ago, a different show. And one of the most common things that I remember hearing about, and I'm getting like deja vu regurgitating it right now, but it was so many lessons from people that I really respected saying like, man, I just want to be all in wherever it is that I am. And like, Balance, it, it doesn't work with that because that yeah. kind of, kind of dictates that you need to be like evenly in each place yeah. and, and then you're just keeping score and. Right. 
Right. Yeah. It's defining your own definition of balance and work. I always yeah. say work-life harmony. I don't know where I heard it, but I love that phrase because it's just like I love that work-life harmony. Perfect. Whatever yeah. that looks like for you. And yeah. oh, there was something else you just said that was golden. And now I can't remember what it was. Um, oh, I OK. The other phrase that you kind of alluded to is you can have it all, but not all at once. <laughs> Be where your feet are. Be yeah, all yeah. in on whatever you're doing. And then the other thing I don't believe in is that common quote, how you do one thing is how you do everything. Because mm -hmm. there will be times where I'm really bad as like an organized, clean room person. Yeah. <laughs> and out of my business, I'm super organized, right? So mm. do you believe in that statement? I don't know. I explore it a lot. I don't know where I fall on it. Um, because I want to agree with you, but I don't know if that's just me trying to rationalize for doing other things like <laughs> subpar. Um, yeah. but I, I totally see what you're saying. I've explored it a great deal and I, I, I don't know where I fall on True, it, but it I see mean, what you're saying for sure. It could mean your principles. Like if you're just an honest person, you're honest in all areas of your life, for example. So, so I guess if you argue yeah. that it's about your values, and like the way you see things, then you could say that quote is true in my mind, but I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, good, good thing to leave it off on. So tell us where everybody can find you. And mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. The best place is the podcast. It's getting the most amount of my focus right now. It's a huge passion project for 2020. So if you're listening to the podcast, wherever you're listening, you can find the results engine. If you're watching the live, wherever you'd like to listen to podcasts, it's just called the results engine podcast. It's got a nice red cover. Um, been really, really blessed to connect, connect and, and chat with some really amazing people that I've been looking up to for a very long time. Uh, a lot of the people we're looking up to on Instagram and things like that. So it's nice. been a, a really cool ride. And um, yeah, it's a huge project in 2020. Starting in March, we're recording this in mid-January, but starting in, no, starting in February, we're going to be releasing uh, solo episodes as well. So if you like the really tactical stuff, uh, like we talked about this episode, we'll have, you'll love a lot of stuff that we're coming out right now. We're doing two interviews per week and, uh, soon we'll add that third upload for the, the tactical like solo episode. Awesome. Well, that sounds great. And everybody check out the results engine. We'll put it in the show notes. The show notes should be at HaleyRow.com slash hacking hyphen fear. That's my guess <laughs> right now. Awesome. And um, we'll go from there. Thank you so much, Mike. Haley, thanks for having me. This was fun. All right. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Be sure to get your free gift over at HaleyRow.com by joining my email list. And remember, you can always connect with me and other health coaches in the Health Coach Nation free Facebook group where I post trainings and videos on how to take your health coaching business to the next level. Can't wait to connect with you. Have an awesome day.